listening to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. I want to talk about something that is fundamental to our Christian life. Really fundamental. I want to talk about abiding in Christ. Do you guys know what abiding in Christ means? You know, this is the thing that every believer, every single one of us that we say yes to God, this is actually the thing that we want to grow in. We want to abide in God. We want to talk to Jesus. We want to have that constant flow of relationship that never ends. How many of you want that in your life? Yeah? We want to go to work and we're like inspired by the Holy Spirit for the things that we have to do. We want to talk to God. We want to have that ongoing thing. Yeah? Okay, let's look at the Greek word of abiding. Let's just go deeper into this word. I have no idea how to pronounce this. I tried. Meno. Mino, I think it's like Mino. Okay, but anyway, let's go. Okay, so this is the Greek word of abiding. What abiding really means. Because I feel like abiding is always such a good term to throw around, but we don't really actually know what abiding in God actually looks like. Okay, so let's go deeper. It actually really means to remain, dwell, continue, be present, Stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. This is what we want to do. We want to stay and we want to remain in that constant relationship with the Lord. It is a call to continuous communion with God. This was what God (coughs) created man for in the beginning in the garden. Continuous communion. And can I tell you guys something? This is what we're going to do for eternity. Continuous communion communion but in between here lah, this is where we're at right now guys <laughs> right this is what we also want to do in our lives it's not just what god wants it's also what we want yeah okay but i want to say that it's also more than just constant communion Const- constant communion has this connotation it's okay just talking uh, you know just talk here and there and talk, 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 talk you know but it's also the call to connection dependence and remaining in jesus by following his teaching It includes drawing on Him and reaching out to Him as our source of life and leadership. It talks about trusting in Him fully and obeying what He has to say. Abiding. I know it's a very big term. Can I give you three examples of what abiding looks like? Because like I said, it's such a big term. It's something that we all want to grow in. But then you pause and like, how do you actually do this? Right? How do I do it when I go to work? How do I do it when my child has HFMD and I'm supposed to take care of her all day long? I can't even prepare my like dinner properly. You know, how do I actually abide in Christ practically? Can I give you three tips? This is just like free. It's not really part of my message, but it's just free a bit. Okay, number one, talking with Jesus. Uh, Abiding in God looks like ongoing dialogue with a real person, right? The thing about God is that He has so much things to say, but He's so gentle that He waits for us to say something first before He starts, right? As long as we start the conversation, let me tell you, God will continue. When we stop the conversation... He will stop. It's an ongoing dialogue with the Lord. And you know, for us, as we grow busier and we grow older, my personal uh, circumstance, it gets harder and harder to abide because like, I have to think about work and like, family and work and family, church, family, work, church, burning hearts, duh, 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 right? How do I actually abide? In the previous season, abiding for me looked like spending hours meditating on the Word, talking, uh, doing Bible study. That was what abiding look like for me. But as I grow older, abiding looks a little more like short 20 to 30 seconds prayers throughout my day. Right? The reach for help, the, the reach of our hearts to God. God, like, you know, like, open my eyes to see you in the middle of the day. Seriously, just like random. Like, uh, God, like, like when, let's say when I was with Zion, like, I'll just pray for her, like in the middle of the day while I'm playing with her. I'll have worship music on, I'll just play, pray for her. It also looks like praying in tongues for just like 10 seconds, sometimes even 15 seconds, because I just want to remember the Lord. I just want to talk to Him in the middle of my, of my day. Yeah? It looks like that, but it's also strengthened by longer times of prayer. Like example, after, from my personal example, when I put Zion asleep, then I'm able to really go deeper into prayer lah which all of you as parents will also understand. Okay, so that's talking with Jesus. Uh, Let's go to the next point. Practically, it looks like applying His promises in our lives. Confessing truth and resisting lies. When condemnation, when shame, and when fear hits us, we speak and we profess what the Lord actually says about us. It looks like this. This is what abiding is. We get ourselves, we, we get the right perspective on who we are and who God is. 
Okay? And last one, obeying his leadership. Because obedience is like an expression of our love for him. He promises to show himself to those who obey. We don't earn his love by obeying, but we position ourselves to receive more. So abiding looks like talking with Jesus throughout your day. Looks like applying his promises in your life and obeying his leadership. Like I said, it's more than communion, but it's really a dependence fully upon who he is. Does this sound great? Does this sound like something you want to do in your life? Or maybe you're already doing it and you're abiding really well. So yay, great, good job, you know. But I want to, I'm here to, to talk about abiding because I feel like I want to grow in abiding and I feel like I'm not just speaking for myself, but I feel like we want to grow in abiding. And it sounds so great to talk with Jesus, apply His promises in our lives and obey His leadership. But the question really is, how do we actually grow in our abiding? How do we abide and remember Him more? How do we, okay, we do our quiet time in the morning and then we go to work and we completely forget Him for the rest of the day until we reach home at night. We're like, oh, yeah, Jesus is in my life. How do we not be, be like that? How do we actually remember Him in our day-to-day basis? How do we abide in Christ? Is this a question you have? Great, I want to try and help you answer it today. <laughs> okay? And I really believe the key is found in one of my favorite passages in the Bible. So this is the passage I'm going to talk about. Um, If you guys got your Bibles with me, um, let's turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Okay, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5. I'm going to cover this in my message today. Uh, Let's read it together, okay? It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me... You can do nothing. So today I'm going to talk about abiding in love, the glorious promise of pruning. You like the image? That's God. (laughs) This is what he does, right? This is what John 15 says. He's the vine dresser. He wears a cap. It's pretty cool. I found this picture online, everybody. <laughs> but it's very cool. Okay, I want to go deep into John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5. Not every single um, verse, but we're just going to hit on certain points because I really want to bring out how God helps us to abide, actually. How He is more zealous and He's more jealous that we abide than we are, that we, that we actually want to abide. Okay, so let's talk about John 15. Just to give a brief context of the passage, this John 13 to 17 is one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples. So that means he's speaking to people who are already believers at that point of time. Okay, and Jesus knows that his disciples are going to go through the biggest testing of their lives. When he dies, they're all going to scatter. They're all going to be lost and they're all not going to know what to do. And so John 13 to 17 is actually, if you read it in that context, Jesus is telling them things that they need to know to get through that trial. And John 15 is smacked in the middle of 13 to 17. And this is the context of what this passage is actually talking about. Okay, so he's talking to believers, that means he's talking to you. Yeah? Okay, so this is the context of John 15. I'm going to go verse by verse, and we're going to end, and it's going to be really fun. Are you guys excited? All right, turn to your neighbor, say, I'm excited. Turn to your other neighbor, say, I'm really excited. Yay! Okay, John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. I want to go, I want to talk about I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus starts off and sets the stage for us. Before talking about anything else about abiding, and before talking about anything else about pruning or anything like that, he says, he sets the stage. He says these two very deep and important statements. He says, I am the true vine. This is who I am, guys. Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. And he says, my father is the vine dresser. He's the gardener. 
You know, these two truths, if you get them, if you understand what they actually mean, if you understand the nature of God in them, I tell you, it will set you on a course for life. You will know how to handle difficult situations. You know how to respond well because Jesus is the source of life as well as the Father is actually the one. You see the guy there? Father is the one doing it. It's not out of control. He's actually in control. God is the vine dresser. So let's talk about Jesus being the true vine. Jesus is the source and the model of how to relate to God and how to bear fruit. He's the source. He's the only source of life that satisfies. He's the only water that will never run dry. He's the only one that we can drink deep on from and actually not come out feeling like we just like wasted time. I tell you, in my past life, in my life before church, well, sort of, I have tasted and seen things of this world that, you know, after you go through it, you just kind of like leave you hanging and leave you dry. And you're like, why did I even waste my time doing that? You know, like things of this world, when you do and you, when you partake of it, like, wow, it satisfies you for a period of time, right? But after that, how many of you know it leaves you dry again? Yeah, I don't need to go into detail. Jesus is the one, the only one that will never leave you dry. He will never leave you. He's the true source of life. That means there's false sources. Uh. So you go and think about what the false sources are. <clears throat> we don't get satisfied with wealth, fame, favor, prominence, or friendships or entertainment. In fact, when we watch TV shows to satisfy our boredom, guess what? After that, we want to watch more again. It never ends. Right? Jesus is the only one that can satisfy us. Amen? What? Dun, dun. Okay. And Jesus is not just the only source, but He's also the model of how we are to relate to God. Of how a believer should relate to God. Can I bring you back? I'm in John 15 now, but let's bring you back a little bit to John 14. He actually tells us how, as a believer, how do we relate to God in our lives. Okay, John 14. It says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Jesus actually gave us an insight on how, as believers, we are to abide in the vine. This is how Jesus did it when he was on earth. This is how we should do it as we are living now. I did this, so you should do it too. So Jesus is the true source and the model. So when we talk about abiding, we need to see how Jesus abide in God. Then we can also abide accordingly. Yeah? Okay, so that's Jesus. He's the only one that will never run dry, guys. Let's talk about the vine dresser. <clears throat> this is what I really want to hit on today. The vine dresser, which speaks of God, and it, we see him as the zealous gardener. We see him as one that takes the initiative, has the authority, knows what he's doing to his vineyard. You know, it, I mean, none of, I'm not a pro at this vineyard business. Like, I had to read about it because of this verse, right? But how many of you know if you have a project, right, to do? And pe for, for people like in a vineyard, they actually say that they want to be a, a gardener, right? They will oversee their garden. They will go and read out about how to do this, how to do that. When's the best time to do that? When's the best time to do this? You know what I mean? Jesus, uh, Jesus, God, the Father, is that zealous gardener. He oversees the health and fruitfulness of his vineyard. No vine dresser wants a bad garden. Can I just put it out there? No vine dresser wants a bad garden. Every vine dresser wants a garden that is fruitful. He takes the initiative to intervene, to train, heal, protect, provide believers into greater fruitfulness. And he's really zealous for your fruitfulness. And so if you ask me, what is fruitfulness? Let's talk a little bit about fruitfulness first before we go deeper. Okay, because as you can tell, this whole passage is about fruitfulness. I would like to present or like uh, suggest that fruitfulness also talks about being successful. So when I say success and I say fruitfulness, I can use it interchangeably, you know. And when we talk about being fruitful in God's eyes, it also talks about the fact that we want to be successful in God's eyes. You know, being successful in God's eyes versus being success successful in man's eyes. How many of you know it's two very different things? Mostly. It's probably like the direct opposite. I have, um, I've took a poll with some of my friends and asked them what fruitfulness means. I, I got, took your advice. This poll thing is actually really useful. 
yeah, background research. So uh, here's my um, take on some things that are what it looks like being fruitful. This is what some people said. Just take a look at it a little bit. Do you see our awesome passion statement inside? <laughs> of course our passion statement is about being fruitful, right? <laughs> Look at that. Becoming like Jesus. Communion with God, being with Jesus, growing in love and humility, obeying His commands, complete trust in His ways, doing the works of Jesus in our city. <laughs> you know, I want to say that growing in success, and being successful in God's eyes, being fruitful in God's eyes, this isn't really like what the world thinks success is. Actually, it's really quite opposite. This is like growing more reliance, obeying His commandments, trusting in God and actually not asserting your, what you think is best. You know, I want to propose to you that growing in success in God and fruitfulness in the Lord actually is really growing in things of the eternal value. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is the things that God is looking for on earth. This is what success looks like in His eyes, that we become like Jesus, that we become a witness of who Jesus is, that we love one another, we grow in love and humility, and we impart that to our friends. We represent Him. This is what success is in the Lord's eyes. When He says, I want you to be fruitful, He wants, He doesn't just want us to get a better job or to rise up in the ranks and be more influential. You know, I really feel like He wants us to be great before His eyes. And many times, that doesn't really look like being great before the world's eyes. At the end of time, the Lord isn't going to ask us how big our ministry was or how much money we made. You know, these things are temporal. In John 15, the same chapter, verse 16, it actually says that um, He wants us to bear fruits that last, that fruits that remain. You know, He's given us an opportunity to actually bear fruits of eternal value, guys not just temporal value. Imagine bearing fruits of temporal value like on this earth. It's great. It's not bad. It's good. But He gives us a chance to bear things of eternal value. How amazing is that? Things that actually matter. Fruits that we can take with us for eternity. You know, we need God's perspective on what these things are so that, you know, we know how to live our lives on this earth. Because if I know what is important to God, then I would direct my life to grow in that. Whereas if I, th like an example, if I want to go shopping, <laughs> right? And I just go to Orchard and I have no idea which store I want to go and I have no idea what I want to buy, I will walk forever. I will walk into every mall. I will walk into every level. I don't even know whether I want to buy clothes or I want to buy groceries or I want to buy, I walk into Watson's Guardian, Takashimaya. I walk into electronic store at Best Denki. I walk, I walk everywhere because I just want to go shopping, guys. Right? But I have no aim. I have no... I will take forever. I might not even leave with what I really actually need. Right? But when we know today I need to buy Chinese New Year clothes and I know which store I want to go, I make a beeline for it, I save time. You guys get where I'm coming from? We need to know what is important to God so that we know how to live our lives and we know how to do this thing. We know how to spend our time well. Because we only have, what, 80, 90, 100 years? Maybe some lesser, some more? I don't know. <laughs> we only have this much time and I want to make use of the time. I want to be successful in God's eyes. I, I don't want to stand before the Lord in the end of time, right? Jason spoke a message about, will he find faith on this earth? I don't want to stand before the Lord at the end of time and like realize that my whole life I've been running after the wrong things. That I've wasted 60 years, 70 years, 80 years of my life filling myself with things that I thought were important to the Lord. But actually, it wasn't really. Nobody likes to feel like they wasted time. You know, and my heart for you guys is that that we get God's perspective on what is important. Growing love, humility, peace, kindness, patience, gentleness, self-control. These things, becoming like Jesus, this is what is important to the Lord. 
I want to hear good and faithful statement, a faithful, faithful servant, and I'm sure all of you want to hear the same, you know? The thing about being fruitful in the Lord's eyes is that we can't do it if we don't abide. Abiding enables us to be fruitful. I'll give you one small thing else about fruitfulness before I move on. I thought this was important to mention. It seems like fruitfulness is a lot about myself. I want to grow in this. I want to grow that. I want to, you know, I want to be great in God's eyes. Can I tell you that fruitfulness is more than this? It's not just about ourselves, but actually it is the way that the world will come to know the Father and His Son. Can I pull up a couple of verses in John that will bring you through that process? Okay, let's go. John 15 verse 8. It's a bit small, I'm sorry. (laughs) But I'm sure you can read it. By this my Father is, this is Jesus saying, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. You know what this tells me? The Father is glorified when we are fruitful. So the fruitfulness is not just for me to stand before the Lord, right? But there is a bigger vision to fruitfulness that the Father takes the glory that when we are fruitful in our lives, when we display Jesus, when we are a witness to Jesus, when we are His hands and feet, actually the Father is glorified through that. I want to give you glory, God. This is how you give God glory. Alright? So that's, the Father is glorified when we are fruitful. Let's go to John 17, 4. This is Jesus talking and praying to the Father. He says, Jesus is saying to the Father, I have glorified you on this earth. I have finished the work that you have given me to do. And so, Jesus modeled fruitfulness by abiding. Do you remember just now in John 14? Father in me and I in him. I don't do the works of my own authority, but I just do what the Father tells me to do. So Jesus was a fruitful man. His work on earth was to glorify the Father by bearing much fruit. He did so by abiding in the Father. Okay? So this was Jesus' assignment on earth. And he finished it to glorify the Father. That means Jesus must have been very fruitful. He must have been displaying, be a witness to God, right? When we know Jesus was sent, he was the exact representation of the Lord. And the last one is the kicker. The last verse I want to show you is the, is the real boom, okay? John 17, 21. This is his high priestly prayer. And Jesus is saying that they may all, which is all the believers, which is all of us, that all of us may be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. He gives us that abiding example again that they, which is us, may also be one in this whole like abiding thing that the world may believe that you send me. When we abide and when we are fruitful, the world will believe God and His Son. Isn't that amazing? Our lives will give glory to the Lord. Jesus is saying, see the way I live. I glorified the Father on earth by abiding, which produced fruitfulness. And then when all believers are in me, abide in me, and I in them, this will produce fruits that remain that glorifies the Father. I want to say that being fruitful is not just about us, but it's also about the whole world coming to know the Lord. And so true... John 15 verse 1, that I am the true vine and God is the vine dresser. Jesus is telling us our Father is committed to our fruitfulness and our success. He wants us committed to our own fruitfulness. And He also wants us to be committed to my friend's fruitfulness. Because it all plays a part onto John 17, 21. Are you guys learning something? Let's go to the next verse. John 15, 2. I'm just going to breeze past this verse. Not going to spend too much time on it. (coughs) It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I've always had a question about this verse. Um, But it talks about branches that don't bear fruit. So that means it's some of the believers, right? The branches are believers that are not bearing fruit. And it talks about... Can I actually introduce to you? I actually want to research on this verse because... Um, I just wanted to go deeper into it. And I realized actually there's one word here that we always, there's two words here that we always take and we actually view it wrongly. I want to talk, talk about the fact that he takes away. It's actually a Greek word, okay? It's aero. I remember, I remember this one. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. But this is what this word really actually means. It actually means in the Greek word to lift up, raise up, elevate, and the last one, actually, is the most figurative 
is actually to remove, which is the takes away, which is what we all commonly read in our Bibles. But lift up, raise up, elevate is actually what it literally means. So for regarding translation-wise, I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> but if I had to reread that verse with the most straightforward, literal um, translation, which is lift up, let's pull it up next one. It actually changes a little bit in the way we see it. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. He doesn't take it away and just cut it off. He actually lifts you up. You know, it talks about these branches that are not bearing fruit because they are, I went to research, they are drooping on the ground. They have fallen to the ground. They're not disconnected from the vine, but the way, you know, vines, when they grow, if they're not connected to a, like a little trellis thing, like, you know, how you must tie them to a, like a thing that goes up, right? If they're not connected to that, they actually just droop on the ground and then they just grow on the ground. And the problem with these branches, right, is that they're on the ground and they don't have any sun. And because of that, they eventually will not be fruitful. Okay? I want to say that the Lord, believers who are like these branches who are not bearing fruits, usually speaks of those who are like in condemnation and shame because they cannot get out of that vicious, they cannot see the sun. They cannot see the truth and the light even though they try. The thing is that the Father lifts up unproductive branches off the ground that they may get more sun and bear fruit. He doesn't take you away. It cuts you off. He actually tenderly lifts you up and like connects you to the trellis so that you can actually grow upwards. Do you know that? Because his heart is that you are fruitful, that you are successful in his eyes. He tenderly lifts us up, dusts the lies off. He wants to give us his perspective on who we are because most of the time we are caught in that cycle of condemnation and shame because we are seeking for the approval of men. You know, but he wants you to just stop and he wants to speak his truth into your life that you are loved just as you are. And he tenderly lifts you up. You know, so my question to you in this is what areas of your life are you downcast? I want to let you know that the Father is so willing to lift you up in those areas this morning. He lifts you up. Let's go to the next verse, John 15, 2. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Notice that it is the branches that bear fruit that goes through pruning. Right, just look at the sentence a little more. It's actually the branches that bear fruit. And it's a good thing that you are bearing fruit. The problem with fruitfulness in our lives is being pruned. Just when we think we've kind of got it, something happens, and then we're like, why is this happening to us? The problem with pruning, let me tell you, two main problems. It's often painful. Ouch. And number two, we don't have the right perspective on it. And so we become discouraged or disappointed or disillusioned with God for doing this in our lives. I'm going to camp here, okay? Let's talk about pruning. Pruning is entirely positive in God's point of view. Entirely. Not man's point of view, God's point of view. It's entirely positive in God's point of view. It is the process that vine dressers know will result in increased fruitfulness. And let me tell you, this is what the Lord wants in your life. He wants increased fruitfulness. He doesn't just want you to stay where you're at right now. Even though that may be really great and really good. You are loving the Lord. You are obeying His commandments. You are talking to Him. You're applying His promises in your life. You know, you're killing it at work. You're, I don't know, all those things, you know. <laughs> you're doing well in school. The thing is that He doesn't want you to just leave you where you're at. He wants more for you because He's the only one that knows like the fullness of it all. Right, when we think we are, we are, we've got enough, I tell you, the Lord always has more. Pruning is the process <coughs> that the Lord grows us to actually possess things of eternal value. We talked about that previously in abiding. It is increased abiding and reliance on the Father. Like I said, success in man's eyes, more independent, I can do it by myself, blah, 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 blah all those things. Success in God's eyes, 
more reliance, more dependence on the Lord. It's super opposite, guys. All right, and this is what the Lord wants to work out in your life. Pruning is the Father knocking away the props that we've come to depend on in our lives that is actually not the true vine. It's the removing of distractions that causes our hearts to grow cold. This is groundbreaking to me even. Can I say that it's actually the Lord's mercy that He brings us through pruning? Because many times we don't actually know that we need it or we don't actually want it. You know, but it's actually His mercy that He brings us through seasons of pruning because it's only because you're fruitful that He's pruning you for more fruit. It is the good heart of our chief gardener, of the Lord, of our Father, that He brings you through pruning seasons. It is God's answer to our cry. And how many of you have said this before? I want to love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is God's answer to your cry. Remove everything that hinders love. I desire all of you, Lord. I give you, oh, for me, for me only, Jesus, right? Yeah, it is God's answer to that. you singing that song. <laughs> Sorry if you sang it, you know, I mean, think... <laughs> But it is his, uh, it's actually His mercy and His way of answering us. Okay, you want more of me? You're opening up your heart to more of me? This is how you have more of, more of me. If you understand my heart through the pruning process, you will actually embrace it. So be careful what you pray for or what you sing for or sing about. <laughs> um, this is pretty important about pruning. It's very different from discipline. Can I tell you, it's two very different things. Pruning and discipline are like different from the Lord's perspective. He doesn't prune us regarding sin because He only prunes those that are fruitful. He prunes the faithful believer. He only prunes the ones that are faithful and obedient. And the reason He does this is to make us more successful. He disciplines the compromising believer, which I'm not going to go into today. But I want to go into the fact that He prunes the faithful believer. And I believe He's that applies to all of us in this room. <coughs> okay? You guys doing good? Awesome. You know, if we don't understand the loving pruning of the Father, we will actually get discouraged and we will actually stop abiding. We will get disillusioned, discouraged, like I mentioned earlier. We will get preoccupied with the things that are happening in our lives. We're like, why is this happening? We feel a sense of failure. Oh man, like, you know, I used to be like this at just now, you know, this previous season, but now I'm like this. Like, I, where, did the, like where did the spirit go? Like, did it disappear from my life? I'll be, I'll be so preoccupied with all these things. We feel abandoned by God. We'll actually quit talking to Him because we don't understand what is happening. You know, so I want to say that it is so important that we understand the heart of the Father in the midst of pruning. Okay, this is what this sermon is about, guys. It's the glorious promise of pruning. Because only then will we respond by trusting His leadership and being grateful for His intervention in our lives. He doesn't want to leave us where we're at. And that is His goal. Right? For us, we see the pain and the loss and the, I don't know, whatever else that comes, you know, everybody's different. But guys, I want to bring your vision up higher. You see the vine dresser when he prunes. I don't know how much of you know about gardening, <laughs> right? But when he prunes, he actually wants good for the plant. He knows that the current fruitfulness of the plant is not the optimum. He prunes because there is more fruitfulness to come. Pruning is supposed to enhance abiding. As we get pruned, we understand the heart of the Father. We are compelled to trust Him, run to Him, and ask Him the right questions. And we actually say, when we get pruned, we're like, thank, thank you, Lord. Help me get through this. <laughs> Pruning is supposed to enhance abiding, not diminish it. And you know what the Lord uses to prune us? Our lives. You know that situation that you are going through right now? I want to say that likely it's, it's pruning. Likely, okay? Um, it speaks of various circumstances that happen in your life that can result in decreased ministry, decrease in the pay that you get at work, um, 
in the previous season, maybe you were really fruitful in this particular area. And then in this new season, maybe it looks, like, it looks different. And then you're like, but I was like that last time. Why am I not as effective in ministry now? You know, it could look like that. It also, it may result in a decrease of money, ministry, influence, popularity, position, power. It could be everyday situations. It looks like stepping out of your comfort zone, trusting the Lord through less than ideal circumstance, waiting for Him to act, working through offense in your heart. Your really good friend offended you. It could look like that. Um, it could also be the voice of the Lord telling you like, hey, you know, you, should not, you, don't, you shouldn't be doing this. You know? Okay, basically I'm trying to get that it looks different for everyone. You know, I cannot tell you what pruning looks like in your life because I don't know your life circumstance. You know, but you would know, right? The Lord will reveal to you. I can share with you what's my most recent pruning um, experience that is still ongoing. Do you guys want to hear it? Yeah? <coughs> I'll share with you mine. Then maybe it gives you clarity on some of yours, you know. My pruning experience of the past... Two years has been my very cute daughter. You know, before I had Zion, hang out at night, right? Go deep with friends, share heart, share heart, no time limit, you know? Like, I, was, I could be involved in so many things. I could give my time to a lot of things, right? And so parents, once your kid comes along, you have this ideal world of parenting and not giving up any of your responsibilities, right? Maybe first-time parents, lah. Okay, for all of you, most of second time already, lah. Or third time, fourth time, also can. You know? Well, for me, right, I have this ideal circumstance about, like, I want to do all these things. I want to bring my daughter along with me. I even do, like, prayer room set with her, like, strapped to me, you know? So ideal, right? Grow up in the prayer room. Wow, amazing. You know? <laughs> And then it's manageable for a while. And then she gets older and older and older. And she sleeps less and less and less. She gets more and more active. I can't keep bringing her out because she's not going to sleep. Right? So it looked like a decrease in ministry. I can't be involved in so many things. I can't do the things I want to do. I have to pick and choose the things I actually want to do. You know, the things that I, I in my heart, I'm like, yes, Lord, I, this is the things that I was doing in the previous season I was so effective in. really go very deep with your friend about their like issues when you have like a 1.5 year old like trying to eat snacks all the time next to you and like crawling and trying to get on the table and like you know you guys know what I mean it's just different and it is so difficult I tell you especially in the beginning when as a mom you know you up at night the husband is sleeping because you know just sleep it's fine <laughs> Because he takes the morning shift, right? I take the night shift. Just sleep, it's okay. <laughs> you know, uh, seriously, but moms, in that middle of the night when you are feeding your baby, it just feels like it's never going to end. It feels like your life looks so far removed from what it was. Am I ever going to be effective ever again? Am I ever going to be able to do the Lord's work? Am I ever going to even have time for myself? Can I even shower by myself anymore? You know, like, with a daughter, like, running around everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, and so if I don't have the right perspective on that, I would just feel like, you know what? I want my old life back. Right? I was so much better. I was so much effective. I would do so many more things for the Lord if I didn't have a child. Or, like, maybe I pass my child to somebody to help me care off all the time. Um, you know, I can do my, the things I need to do. You know? It just feels like... I don't know. Maybe parents, maybe moms can like uh, can really empathize. I'm sure you guys can as well. It just feels so different, and it just feels like like you're not really you, but you're actually becoming a new you. But like <laughs> you're still you, but you're not really you, but you're becoming a new you. <laughs> yeah, and and for me, like I I I know that that this entire process is the Lord. Using this circumstance, which I love, by the way. I love having, like, Zion around. But he's using this to prune my life. Because previously where I could not say no to things because it's like, yeah, that is so good. Like, yeah, I want, I want to help out in that. I want to be involved in this. I want to do that. I want to like, do that. Everything, right? And because I could do it because I had time. Now, I have to actually pick and choose carefully the things I want to be involved in because it requires a sacrifice. I have to find somebody else. John has to take her 
my mom has to take her, somebody has to take her, somebody has to take her. If it's not me, it has to be somebody else. You know, and I really feel like <coughs> there was a point in time I felt like everything was being stripped away and like, oh man, like, I'm just going to be stuck being a mom forever. <laughs> it sounds funny now, but like at that point of time, at 3 a.m. in the morning, it's like really serious business, right, moms? It's like it can make you cry. Like, you know, and you're like, God, I want to feel your delight on me, even as I change her smelly diaper <laughs> and pet her right to sleep. I, I believe and I know that the Lord is using motherhood as a pruning process for me. Because, because of being a mom and because of, I couldn't be involved in, in all these things. Like, you know, I cannot go out so much anymore. I cannot like do a lot of things that I want to do. I've had to deal with myself at home. Like, God is just you, me, Zion sleeping, you, me, Zion sleeping, you, me. It's just us. Who, who am I to you, Lord? Like, do you, it's my identity in the works I do for you. Is it in who I am? Like, is this enough for you, God? Is this weak love in caring for a child, is it good enough? Is it furthering your kingdom? Am I being a witness? You know? I've had to deal with all those issues, identity issues, uh, fear, uh, fear of missing out, fear of like, I don't know, not being involved in things. I had to deal with all those things. You know, I tell you that those things actually, while they are good, <coughs> to deal with, like in previous seasons, I was fruitful in certain parts of my ministry and like whatnot, right? But you see, the Lord is so loving and He knows, right? Because He knows every single person's uh, circumstance. He knows what actually needs to be removed in order for us to actually get back to that important thing again, which is actually really abiding. He knows that, you know, He uses this circumstance as a mom, especially in the younger days of Zion, to, to bring that out in my life. You know, and it's an everyday circumstance. It's not like some terrible, major thing, you know, but it, it's actually a blessing. And the Lord is so awesome at that. He gives you something that you are so loving and so cute, right? But that is <laughs> yourself. <laughs> but He's so good that way because you can't give it up. <laughs> you just have to work through it, man. Work through it with the Lord, you know. This is funny. I wrote it here. No one calls you for any dinner meetings anymore. No one calls you ever, except my husband telling me that Zion is crying and I need to come home now. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's what pruning looks like for me as of now. Like, it's ongoing. While it started when she was born, it's still ongoing and the decisions I have to make. You know what I mean? To be intentional in my time when I'm with her. To not just focus on the external, but don't focus on your family. You know, things like that. Like, the Lord uses circumstances in your life to remove the distractions, actually, to actually bring you back to what is really important, abiding. And I've learned what I shared with you in the beginning about the three things about abiding. I've learned in my, my time with the Lord, especially, you know, the past two weeks, right? Zion's at home every day with me for, like, 10 days. I've learned what it looks like to kind of uh, try to abide, like, in the vine while I'm with her. It looks like short prayers, while I'm in the toilet, or it looks like short prayers while I'm playing with her, because it's like, you know, read to her, then I can just like jump in some prayer, you know, she just so doesn't really like, maybe she thinks it's part of the book that I'm reading to her. <laughs> you know, but then I pray in tongues when I really got nothing to say. You know, it's like this little moment of abiding that, you know, I really believe moves the heart of the Lord. He, he, it's no way possible he expects, he can look down from heaven and expects us to spend like five hours a day deep in study of the Word. And He cannot use that to measure us. He just cannot. You know why? Because we're all different. We all have different circumstances. Some people unemployed. Some people employed. Some people half-employed. How are you going to find? He cannot measure us based on the amount of time, like hours, we spend in the Word. He cannot. Like his, The way he, he, he looks at fruitfulness and the way He looks at success in our life is beyond that. It's deeper than that. He looks at how willing your heart is, how given your heart is in any situation. The fruit looks different for you and for you and the person next to you. So turn to your neighbor and say, our fruits look different, don't compare. I'm not sure how pruning works every time with each individual. 
And like I said before, it looks very different for everyone based on your unique life situation. The Father is the only one with wisdom to do it. Thank God, it is God pruning us. It doesn't really matter what the circumstance is, to be honest, whether it's a day-to-day challenge. It doesn't really matter. You know, the real question I feel that he is asking today is how will you respond to him in the midst of pruning? It's what is the response of your heart in the midst of that difficult situation in your life that the Lord is actually using for increased fruitfulness? Are you running to him? Are you submitting to his leadership saying yes? Or because of a lack of understanding, are we backing away in disappointment or confusion? I have three thoughts on pruning, then I'm going to end. Can I, tell you, uh, can I share with you these three thoughts? You have to say yes anyway. <laughs> Number one, these three thoughts show us what the Father is like in the heart of pruning. Okay? Number one, pruning is always done with a purpose. The vine dresser is purposeful. He considers, I got this online in a vineyard website, so it's legit, okay? He considers the growth of the past the current condition and the anticipated and desired growth for the upcoming season. And then he prunes you. It is thought about. He has a vision. The the gardener for his vineyard, he has a vision for each plant. Right? God knows us. He knows our past. He knows our current. He knows where we're headed. And he's the one who dreamt of us. He's the one who formed us in our mom's womb. He knows us better than ourselves. Would you trust him to prune you? He has a purpose. God has his eye on eternity. That's his vision. Eternity is communion, abiding in the Lord. And that's his vision for your life. <clears throat> He's good and he has a plan. Philippians 1.6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's doing a good work in us. He's not pruning for fun. Nobody prunes for fun. No vineyard. And the no gardener prunes for fun, right? He's pruning to remove everything that hinders love. This tells me that God knows you and is committed to you. He's wholly committed and faithful to see us mature in Him. You know what He says? He says, trust me. You know why? Because I'm on your team. I know you. I am the only one that knows you. Psalms 1, 3, it says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. He knows what He's doing and there is a purpose. We can't get there on our own, guys. If you notice, the, the vine dresser is the one that does something to the plant. The plant cannot do something to itself. <laughs> and cut, you know? He knows where you're headed and would you trust Him because He knows you? He considers your past, current, and future. Amen? Second thought. I'm pruning. Pruning can hurt, but it's necessary. So based on my vineyard research, 60 to 70% of the previous season's fruits are cut off generally. It can go up to 90%. That's a lot, guys. 60 to 70%, up to 90% of the previous season's fruitfulness to be cut off and pruned back. It's like, ouch. It's like a bit wasted, right? It feels a bit wasted. You know, and in our lives, when this happens, we are kind of like left wondering like, what just happened? You just look around, you're like, what happened? Right? Can I tell you what the Father says in these circumstances when you feel the pain and you feel the pinch and you feel the ouch? He says, you don't have enough insight, my dear. I'm the only one with full insight onto everything. Like, it can hurt, I know but this is actually producing more fruit in you that you cannot see yet. You do not have enough resolve to move them by yourselves because most of the time we don't want to be pruned. I don't know anybody who wants to go through pain of like F45, right? (laughs) Right? There's this verse that spoke to me uh, very um, (coughs) uh, recent 
and it's about pruning can hurt. You know, we don't understand the hurt and we're like, oh, I really don't like this. And like, is this really necessary, God? I will grow in love even if I, it doesn't hurt, you know, but it really doesn't. Okay, I'm going to pull up Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. This is the verse that every parent has in their toilet. If not, the toilet is on the front door, like at the foyer area, right, where you put the house keys. If not, it's in the kitchen or somewhere. It's confirmed somewhere in the house. <laughs> right? It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. If I trust in the Lord, that means I cannot lean on my own understanding. So that means if I understand, that means I'm not trusting. <laughs> Do I have to say it again? So he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and you don't lean on your own understanding. That means in certain circumstances, this writer is telling us, I have to trust the Lord and it might not make sense in my man understanding. Right? Sometimes, we always want it to make sense in our, heart, in our minds. Like, you know, this is obviously the way I'm supposed to go forward, the Lord. Like, this is the ministry path I'm supposed to take. This is where I'm supposed to go. This is how my family is supposed to look like. You know, but then pruning comes and it, it looks a lot different from what we thought we wanted it to look like. And we don't understand. Right? We don't understand. So we worry. We get like upset. We don't understand why must I go through this? Or like, why must it hurt? Why is it taken away from me? Why is, you know, why, did it, why didn't I get that job? Or like, why didn't I do, 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 do? But trusting sometimes involves not understanding. Actually, I think mostly it involves not understanding. That's why it's called trust. That's what, right? I mean, to me lah. <laughs> you know, my boss told me this actually when Zion had HFMD because I was really worried because at first it might not have been HFMD. It might have been some like random viral rash all over her body because it was really bad. Okay, and my boss, I was like really worried so I went to work <coughs> and I told my boss about the situation. And my boss looked at, my boss looked at me and he was like, you cannot trust and worry at the same time. Right? Because they're two opposites. If you worry, you're not trusting. If you trust, you won't need to worry. I was like, boom. And then I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I need to trust. <laughs> you know, the growth of increased fruitfulness that follows far outweighs the pain. Pruning can hurt, can be painful in your life, but let me say it's necessary for growth, right? God, oh, this is my favorite line of this entire sermon. <laughs> God is more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. He wants you to be joyful, definitely. He wants you to have a good, enjoy a fruitful and abundant life. But he's actually more about you becoming like him than him leaving you where you're at right now. Because it's happy for you. It's good. It's, comf it's comfortable. If I can remove happiness, if it kind of like takes off some questions in your head, you can say more than your comfort. He really wants you to grow in holiness and be like Jesus to abide in the vine fully, then He wants you to be just be comfortable sitting under the apple tree and feasting on Him. That's all. He will challenge your comfort zone because He wants to bring out that gold in you. James 1, 2-3 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience also looks like endurance. Let patience, that means you just let it be. You trust and you let it be, right? Have its perfect work that you may be complete and lacking nothing. You know, trust that the Lord is working something good in you through the pain and through the process. He's not less faithful through the valleys. So my point about God through this is God is too good to leave you where you're at. He is too good. If I can find some examples in the Bible, David is one. Like all the stuff that he went through before he became king, running away in the fields, right? Running from Saul, all those things. Like, you know, like it seems like, you know, it's all about Saul and Saul's trying to kill him. I really feel like the Lord was bringing David through a pruning process. The, the experiences that he went through enabled him to be king. But it hurt, right? For David, I mean, we, when we get to heaven, we can ask him about it. Peter as well. Yeah, he denied Christ, right? He was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die for you. He really didn't. <clears throat> you know, through the, the trial of Jesus um, being hung on the cross, he denied thinking, he thought it was all over. 
But you know, actually the Lord used the entire thing to prune him. Then we know in Acts that he like said this mighty sermon and like thousands came to know the Lord. And he never looked back since then. You know? It can hurt. I don't think Peter wanted to go through the denial. You know, but it was necessary for him to fulfill everything that the Lord had in his life. Joseph as well, another example, he had to basically nearly die in the dungeon like twice or three times, right? Two times. But the Lord had a purpose. His life, because he didn't become offended with God, he abided, he stayed steady in the Lord. Joseph, uh, God actually used Joseph's life to save an entire nation. It probably didn't make sense to Joseph at the point in time when he was happening. It can be painful, but God is too good to leave you where you're at. Amen? Last point. I love this one. The gardener tends to his garden regardless of season. He doesn't love the garden more when it's fruitful. Or he doesn't love the garden more when it's... Uh, he doesn't not like the garden more when it's winter and everything is dry. There's no fruit at all. But he actually... If you go and read online my, in my research, there's something to do every month. Amazing, right? In the vineyard. There's some pruning, some like... I don't know all the words. Lah. But you go and read. The calendar is like super busy. Like there's something to do for the plant every single month, every single week. And it's not just during the pruning or not just during the fruitful times that's something to do. But I want to say that the Lord is committed to you in every season. He's patient through every season and He actually enjoys the process of maturing you. Do you know that? He doesn't just enjoy you when you are matured, which is like the end goal, which is like He will only enjoy you when, you know, when Jesus comes back. <laughs> he enjoys you here. Can I say that? Can I tell you that? He enjoys you here and here and every single step of the way. He actually enjoys that relationship. It's like a father trying to teach his son how to ride a bicycle, right? The father is not like, ride a bike now and then I'll love you. <laughs> his father is like, I love you, so I want to teach you how to ride a bike, right? And then he loves the son throughout the riding bike process. When the son falls down, when the son does something good, when like the balance, he's like, good job. You know what I mean? He enjoys the entire process. This is how the Lord like sees us. He's not just committed to the garden, when we are fruitful or when we're doing something good for Him, even when I'm in the room with Zion alone, feeding in the middle of the night, right? He enjoys that. He's after our hearts. He's after us abiding in Him. Fruits are important. It really is. Uh, work ministry is all important. But remember, He prunes us back because sometimes these things distract us from what is really important. He wants our hearts flowing in love together. He wants us to be abiding and to enjoy Him every day of every season. My point about the Lord is, God <coughs> desires my heart in every season. Can I get a bed on stage? I want to say that this isn't a new concept, guys. It's not a concept that came from pruning. This is actually a concept from Genesis all the way to Revelation. He desires our hearts in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the dry seasons, the boring seasons, the good seasons, the bad seasons. He desires all of us. He's literally moving heaven and earth to get this at the end of time, which is our hearts. He desires all of me. And the only way we can actually do this and to give and respond rightly to this desire of our vine dresser is actually to understand his perspective even through difficult times in our lives. When he prunes us, actually his heart is for us. Right? When, he, when we are downcast in condemnation or when we are you know, caught in vicious cycles, the Father wants to lift us up. He doesn't want to just remove us and throw us out. The plant hadn't even had a chance to bear fruit yet because there was no sunlight. Right? He sees the potential in your life. He sees where you'll be and He calls you up accordingly. He desires my heart in every season. If you scroll down to the next few verses, John 15, um, 4 to 5, it talks about abide in me and I in Him. Branch cannot bear fruit of itself, abides in a vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. For without me, you can do nothing. I just shortened the verse. Because Jesus is saying that the way of to become fruitful in your life, to to be successful in the Lord's eyes, there's only one way to do it, guys. To abide. 
you abide in the vine through the pruning, you abide in the vine through the difficult and through the good situations and the bad situations. He says, talk to me. Failing to abide is more than a hindrance to fruitfulness. It's actually, it severs you from the source of life. It's a life and death thing, guys. Right? And we want to respond rightly to him this morning. You know, um, can I just get you guys to stand? I've said so many things about abiding, about fruit, pruning, being fruitful, being like successful in the Lord's eyes. about abiding is that it requires trust in the Lord. You know, and I, and I don't know the circumstances that you're in, how the Lord is working something good in your life, but I know that through that circumstance you're thinking about right now, He is working something good. You know, and I, and I just feel this invitation to say yes to the heart of the Father, the good vine dresser, the chief gardener of our lives. Will you say yes to His leadership again? If you are disappointed or disillusioned or uh, or discouraged because of the circumstance, you know, the Lord is so willing to open up our eyes to see the bigger picture of what He's really doing in our lives. He tenderly lifts us up. He lovingly prunes us.